grace and peace. Y'all doing all right? Good, good, good. I am Jonah, a pastoral fellow here at Salem Press. Um, as I studied this text this week, um, I came across a work from Eugene Peterson uh, that simply said that we need the whole of Jesus. And as we look at Matthew's gospel, uh, we embark on what is a profound discovery of the person and work of Jesus. The Gospels present us with a Jesus who is living and speaking and moving. Jesus is God's then self-revelation and his work gives us cursory glances into the great grace and mercy of God. So tonight, if I may, I want to just take a minute to pray and then we're going to jump right into the text. So let's pray. Father, I am um, so incredibly grateful for the privilege to open your word with your people tonight. I know, God, that without um, the illumination of your spirit, all that I have are words on a page that would at best be a dead academic exercise. Yet by your spirit, these words that point to you and the grace that you have given to us in your son, Jesus, are words that will equip us and encourage us and edify us for your word is life. God, we ask that you would attune our hearts and our minds to to receive your word with gladness, that it may fall on good soil. God, rid us of the distractions that you may be glorified and all that is said. And God, I ask that you would empty me of my pride and my lack of humility, my self-righteousness, the things I use to, to mask my fear. But I might be used to bring your message of your truth to your people. And I ask this in the mighty name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Robert MacGyver, who is the chair of the School of Theology at the University of Avondale in his lectures on the person and work of Jesus, suggests that some 60,000 people would have at some point witnessed some aspect of Jesus's earthly ministry. Jesus's public ministry begins here with an unveiling and inauguration at the baptism in the Jordan River at the hands of John the Baptist. Luke's gospel gives us some context to this experience, adding that Jesus is about 30 years old. So this is the time frame in which what would traditionally have taken place for an ordination of a priest. Although Jesus didn't need a baptism himself for the remission of sin, he was ritually washed on behalf of Israel and on behalf of all humanity. So Jesus' baptism is a sign of his identity and mission, foreshadowing his crucifixion and death, as well as his resurrection and new life in the redemption of the world. We come to the story of Jesus' baptism in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew writes with this skillful organization of the Gospel, likely agrees with the reality that he was a toll tax collector. 
Matthew's gospel is the only one that contains the story of, of Jesus paying the temple tax in Matthew 17. Early church tradition also agrees then with this first gospel being ascribed to Matthew. And though we, in context, see Matthew's gospel in our Bibles written first, we know that it's probably not the first gospel that was written. Uh, Matthew likely used Mark's gospel as a reference tool. And we see Matthew do some distinct things, like he adds these long discourses, these teachings, like uh, uh, the Sermon on the Mount in, in Matthew 5 through 7. There is also then likely a variation in the audience to whom the Gospels were originally written. Matthew uh, distinctly writes with this idea in mind of a people of God that goes beyond the people of Israel alone but a new nation of all people. So more clearly than in any other of the Gospels, do you see that Jesus is God fulfilling his promises? You can't read Matthew's Gospel, though, and miss how clearly he reveals that the Gospel brings about unity for all people. From the very beginnings of his Gospel, he, he teaches us this we see that there are some descendants outside of Abraham who will play some very important roles. We just celebrated Christmas, and in the story of Christmas are these three brothers who we call wise men who come bring gifts to Jesus in Matthew 2. And then there is the story of Jesus' genealogy that being preached last week. And he introduces people like Rahab and Ruth and Uriah who were all of varying ethnicities. So the message of the gospel is a message of good news for all people. To show that Jesus fulfills this deepest and truest longings of all people seemingly then explains why Matthew reveals this to us. So Matthew introduces us to, to people like the centurion who encounters Jesus, who has more faith than anyone in Israel, or the guards who at the, the crucifixion of Jesus call him the very son of God. Tonight, though, I hopefully want to shed some light on what takes place in this passage of scripture, but I want to take some time, though, to rest on two really impactful implications, uh, the first being baptism, and then, of course, um, the person and work of the Holy Spirit. As I get there, though, I want to remind us that you and I are made right with God through an act of grace and that grace comes to us in the person and work of Jesus. Romans 6 and 4 says that we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Baptism gives us this symbolic death and burial. It is death to sin and burial to our sinful nature, but also... It is the rising of a new life in Christ Jesus. In the text, though, we see that this then is immediately followed by the coming of the Holy Spirit to rest on Jesus as we see God speaking audibly to the people in affirmation of Jesus. But this then only reveals to us the mystery of Jesus 
as one person with two distinct natures. He is both fully God and fully man. I love how our Westminster Confession puts it. Uh, It describes Jesus like this. He says that Jesus is the only redeemer of God's elect, is the Lord Jesus Christ, who being the eternal son of God, became man and so was and continued to be God and man in two distinct natures and one person forever. This is imperative to know because it leads us to reflection that even before creation, all that existed was God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He existed within himself, within perfect harmony. He lived and loved himself and his greatest commitment has always been to himself. In fact, you and I were, com- were created as instruments to bring him glory. He exists within perfect communion, completely sufficient and loves himself passionately. The audible voice from heaven affirms his great love for God the Son, the dwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Peter, one of the brothers who was at Jesus' baptism, writes in 2 Peter uh, 1, 17 through 18, he says that for uh, when he received honor and glory from God the Father, the voice was borne to him by the majesty, by majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from whom, born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. Jesus made baptism a part of his ministry. And it should ultimately then be a part of our mission. Baptism is not man's idea, but it is God's idea. It's not a denominational thing. It is a biblical thing. It begins with John the Baptist at the beginning of the gospel, and he comes to baptize with water that leads to repentance. And we see this continue in the ministry of Jesus in John 4. As many people uh, began to come to be baptized by Jesus more so than were being baptized by John. The church then continues this practice of baptism, not out of our own wisdom, but because the command of Jesus we see here in Matthew's gospel, telling us to go and make disciples that they might be baptized in his 